2: Welcome to RotoWire's Wednesday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe
1: Bartle and joining alongside me as always is Ben Miller. Ben, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Middle of the week. We're uh we're winding down here, about ready to, you know, enjoy the weekend festivities. But You're uh, way
2: too tame. This is this is the Wednesday NBA DFS podcast. Where's
1: the excitement from you? I just I'm, I mean, I, I'm saving it because I know my lineup is so good today Ooh. that, like, once we get to it, I'm just going to be getting wild. See, I thought you were going to say, I'm
2: saving it because I'm trying not to rub it in your face that I beat you twice in a row.
1: That that was also in the conversation. I thought about dropping that on you. I didn't want to hurt your feelings, but you're right. I mean, you started the, the podcast out pretty hot.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think our overall record now is three
1: and two. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right.
2: I didn't bring up the win that you had initially to start off this streak of two wins now because I didn't have Kawhi Leonard in that lineup that we put together. Yeah. He was out. And I had made the change. I just didn't save the lineup in time. <laughs> and and I know like everyone's like, oh, yeah, Joe, of course you did that. Right, I, I mean, right. That's, yeah. And I get it. So that's why I'm giving you the win <laughs> okay. for that first one. And this one, he beat me legit. I mean, we both had some real stinkers in our Monday lineup. Yeah. I'm thinking of your boy, Tristan Thompson, who really messed me up. And then Randy Foy, who's nobody's boy, was really a problem for you. But for yeah, the most yep. part, we actually we hit on the guys that we really liked. Right. And I was saying before we hopped on that if we would have just combined our two strategies, we probably would have made all the money.
1: Yeah. I mean, Cousins, Thomas for me were huge, which was awesome, but... Yeah, there's those middle tier guys that you had that played so well right. that I could have used, and in-
2: and you and you really hit like I was I was legitimately concerned by Isaiah Thomas, and I looked at the box score at the end and I was I was amazed, and he's been playing out of his out of his mind lately. Yeah, yeah, but when I was saying that 10,000 is probably the highest you're going to see him, I really believe that. And here we're looking at the Wednesday slate and he's around like uh, 10,500. Like he's, he's still going up. Yeah. Yeah. He's played really well. And cousins was, and you had said this, I'll give you credit. He was the automatic start, even at his high price against the 76ers without Embiid. And he more than made up for that. So like that was, that was absolutely the way to go there.
1: Yeah. No, he was huge. Yeah.
2: Well, all right, let's go ahead and break down Tuesday's perfect lineup. Um, We had, Point guard D'Angelo Russell and point guard Kyle Lowry in this lineup. So Russell won against the Nuggets, 5,700 price, and then Lowry, 87 against the Pelicans. And we had shooting guards Norman Powell and Nick Young. Powell was at 4,200 and Nick Young at 3,900. That's kind of been the consensus that we've come to when we've been doing these lineups that we want cheaper shooting guard options, especially when there are not any big guys like James Harden or uh, Giannis. Giannis, I was going to say his last name. But I'm not going to try. Giannis, Giannis available. <laughs> Giannis the Greek freak. Uh, yeah, Giannis the Greek freak. That, that actually is his official name. I'm waiting for him to change it. To, <laughs> he should just kind of like Metal World Peace style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the small forward, Wilson Chandler. Of course, the the it uh, feels like twice a year blowout game from Wilson Chandler happened on Tuesday. He was at 5700 price for the Lakers, and then Kawhi Leonard 9600 against the Thunder. Power forwards, we saw Anthony Davis finally make uh, make promise on his high price tag 11,200 against the Raptors Ryan Anderson rounded out the optimizer lineup at power forward with 5,000 going against the Kings and then we had center Steven Adams going against the Spurs at 6,000 so normally do some takeaways from the perfect optimizer on Tuesday uh, what, what are you taking away from this one?
1: There really wasn't any huge surprises where I was, you know, extremely wowed by, you know, a specific performance, uh, which isn't usually the case, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, I I always do get a laugh when I see Nick Young in there. <laughs> Swaggy uh, P? Yeah, just because it's Nick Young. I mean, he he's able to do, all he does is score. So, that's, he picked, like... Has
2: anyone made, like, a YouTube dubstep video to, like, all he does is score? I don't know. You'd have to really be a good, talented musician, for, to be able to do that, and I can't do it, but I'm just, I don't look around on YouTube enough, but I
1: feel like that's, that has to have been made at some point, right? Right, it's got to be. It's Nick Young. Like He's, he's got that follower base where I'm sure they've probably right. picked up something on him. <laughs> um, but yeah, if anything, I think we can actually mention D'Angelo Russell's performance as well. Um, he's been dreadful of late. Um, prior to yesterday's, yesterday's game, he did miss three straight with a, with a calf injury. Um, but just before that, he posted 16 Fandu points or less in um, four out of five games, which is, which is brutal um he shot 33 percent from the field during that five game stretch um so yeah it's good to see him shake both the injury and the, the shooting lows. um he had 22.7 rebounds 10 assists so nearly a triple double so um i think that was definitely something to mention he's been group. one
2: of those guys that well when he was drafted so high you're expecting him to and i know a few laker fans um that have been really excited about his performances at least last year and After that whole scandal with Nick Young and and the videotaping, I kind of thought he was almost a locker room cancer, a little toxic. And little did I know that Kobe Bryant actually was the whole locker room cancer, (laughs) the shit going on. Um, But I feel like he's been a disappointment, especially considering how high he was taken. I don't know. I I don't really follow his statistics as much as I probably should because I don't like the Lakers. Yeah, no, that's (laughs) fair. So I don't want to follow them unless I have to. Um, But I feel like he's been a bit of a disappointment.
1: Yeah, he's... He's not doing as well as he should be doing. I do think there's still, like, an extremely, a lot of, you know, potential for him to be pretty good. Is it just um, because he's on a really bad team? Is that kind of why he hasn't been performing up to expectations? I wouldn't say that. Like, he still should. I mean, if you're that good, you, you should be that good either way. Right. You know, whether you have people around you or people um, not around you. But, um, no, I, I I think he's just struggling, you know. It, it's – it's he's a young player. He's going to get better. I just – he's just not um, – you know – um, which I say.
2: Well, uh, he's not producing as much as he should be.
1: Right. And he's not uh, advancing as quick as you, you, you'd you think he would be for being you know a top pick. Other
2: players, especially younger guys, have kind of bloomed later in their careers. And the great thing is that they're like 22, 23 when they are doing that blooming. Even yeah. though it's like their third year in the in the league, they're still kind of developing. So that same thing could happen with Russell. That's not really what I'm saying. I just I was expecting more from him. Um, and really, after that whole video gate scandal stuff, I was expecting more of him too. We just haven't seen it. Right. You brought up two Lakers in your perfect optimizer kind of comments. I'm looking at Steven Adams. I know at 6000 the price is a little higher for a center. I like to go mid-tier or lower when I'm looking at my center lineup. So the fact that Steven Adams did well against the Spurs is really an encouraging sign. Um, We know that he's, he's one of those guys that you can look out for and feel pretty confident in. But the Spurs are actually pretty good defensively against center spots. So 16 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, a block, and a steal. It's encouraging to see those numbers from Adams, and it's even better when we know that um, Ennis Cantor, who just knocked the lights out of that chair, <laughs> and then subsequently knocked the lights out of his season, yeah, um, no. that now that we have Adams playing more, I think that you can consistently rely on him. And at 6,000, I, I really believe that he's going to rise more with Cantor out, seeing a little more minutes every night. Um, you're not going to have a matchup every time we're going against the Spurs, at least the Thunder Art and you can definitely take advantage of Adams when he's playing against some of the C, D tier teams. Um, and I'm expecting like he'll, he'll average right around 30 to 35 fanduel points for the rest of the season. At least that's what I'm anticipating. So it was encouraging to see him get to that and, and get into the optimizer lineup.
1: Yeah. I'm still a little bitter. You know, he's, he the last time i used him i'm pretty sure he, he um you know bumped pretty hard on me so <laughs> i'm still a little better there but yeah no he's no enos canter he's gonna get a ton of time so i think he's gonna be a great fallback option if you're you know fading on some of those higher priced guys and that's not what i like to do so yeah, yeah
2: I, I feel pretty good about adams for the foreseeable future but it's just nice to see him slide in there for
1: tuesday yeah all
2: right so wednesday's nba slate has a whopping 12 games going on and they are all like later time ones so Good luck putting together a lineup. I I honestly feel like if there's any player owned uh, in a double-up tournament setting that's more than 40%, you're doing something wrong. There's just too much variety going on. So here's the games that we have. Obviously, the time's are going to be in Eastern time, so just take that into consideration. Indianapolis and Magic, they go ahead and kick off at 7 o'clock. Then we're followed by the Timberwolves and Cavaliers, again, at 7 o'clock. And then Boston and Toronto, 730 Moving over to the Pelicans, Detroit. That's a 7.30 kickoff time, or tip-off time, I should say. I still am in football mode. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, then we have the Nets. We have the Nets and Knicks, which is going to be a barn stomper. Barn stomper is not the right term. but Barn burner? Yeah, barn burner. The- you should just do this whole thing now. You, you, got, the, you got the words way better than <laughs> I do today. That's clearly what's happening. Yes, Knicks, Nets, barn burner of a New York matchup. That's going on at 7.30 Eastern time. We have the Hawks, Heat, 7.30 Eastern time, 76ers, Mavericks, 8.30, we have the Grizzlies Nuggets 9 o'clock, Milwaukee the Jazz, are at Jazz, I think that's going to be a fun one to watch, but maybe not one for fan duel points at least. At least a, us
1: Bucks fans. Yeah, yeah, right,
2: <laughs> 9 o'clock Eastern time, we have the Clippers Suns 9 o'clock Eastern time, Bulls Thunder 9.30 Eastern time, and the Hornets Warriors round out the schedule 10.30 Eastern time, and that's going to be a heck of a matchup, so... Normally, we break down all the injuries with those games. Um, there, there's plenty to just look at, but most of them are, are not really surprises at this point. I mean, I'm just going off the first one, the, the Pacers versus the Magic. Rodney Stuckey going to be a game-time decision hamstring injury, and Jody Meeks, we discussed him on Monday, out indefinitely with a thumb in, thumb injury. Not a lot going on in that matchup. Moving over to the Timberwolves Cavs, J.R. Smith, we know he's out. Kevin Love, he's out as well. The surprise kind of came on Monday, so now we know a little bit more what the Cavs are going to be expecting for rotation-wise, but Kevin Love had an MRI on Monday, came back negative. He's he's cleared of any structural damage, but doesn't necessarily guarantee he's going to be playing anytime soon. So I would keep an eye on that for season-long purposes and DFS. Well, we'll discuss that a little bit more as we get on with it, but I think there's some interesting uh, things to take away from that injury. Moving over to the Celtics and Raptors matchup, DeMar DeRozan, he's going to be out for the second consecutive game with an ankle injury. That's leaving more time for Norman Powell to possibly start shooting yard and do well. That's a little foreshadowing. (laughs) Uh, Moving over to the other side of that matchup, Avery Bradley's going to be out with an Achilles injury. He was able to practice fully on Tuesday, so it's kind of a surprise he's not able to play Wednesday, but he's going to be nearing a return. He's been out, I think, eight games now, so it's only a matter of time. I think Jalen Brown might get the start at shooting guard, or we might see more of Marcus Smart. It's going to be one of those two options, but I'm not sure I'm necessarily relying on either of them uh, yet, but we'll see as we kind of keep going through this. Pelicans, Detroit, not much to talk about. Finally, Anthony Davis is healthy, at least for one game, it feels like. Right. So, <laughs> the only one to mention right now, Dante Cunningham, he's a game time decision with a wrist injury. Moving over to the Nets and Knicks' barn burner, barn stopper, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> matchup. Derek Rose is a game time decision, but most likely he's not going to play. He's been in a walking boot even yesterday during the shoot around. So, I'm expecting him not to play. That means Brandon Jennings, you're you're good to go again and use him. Chris Depps, Porzingis did not play before, but he's got an illness. He was a late scratch from Tuesday's game. I don't know if he ends up playing this one either. It's against the seventy sixers. Tough game with
1: a back to back set too. It, they so. just
2: they're and they're not that good. Both teams aren't that good. I don't know why we're rushing back Porzingis from the flu or whatever else. He has six. So yeah. we'll see though. Again, game time decision. Lance Thomas, he's gonna be out, obviously the orbital fracture. Moving over the net side, Jeremy Lin and Joe—well, Jeremy Lin's out with the hamstring, but Joe Harris, probable to play. Neither of those guys really move the needle in terms of DFS purposes, but uh, those are two injuries to consider. We have the Hawks and Heat. Uh, Cephalosia is going to be a game-time decision with a groin injury. Obviously, we know a couple of the injuries from the Heat side. Winslow, Richardson, we've been talking about them for quite a while, out with a shoulder and ankle injury, respectively. And then Luke Babbitt, who, you know, is the immortal DFS player when he actually gets to play. But game time decision with an ankle injury. He was unable to practice Tuesday. Not expecting him to really take the court Wednesday. So, uh, 76ers and Mavericks. Here's a bit of a surprise when, as we were just getting ready for the podcast, Robert Covington is out with a hand injury. That means Dario sark is going to get the start, or most likely going to. Get the start. That's an interesting DFS guy to consider, and we can kind of discuss a little bit more. But I, I think you could very well put him in your lineup if you're trying to construct a stars and scrubs one. So uh keep an eye on that Joel Embiid. He's expected to miss the next two games with the knee injury. JJ brea is out, and it's been confirmed that he's going to be out till past the All Star break. So guess what that means? That's more Yogi Ferrell time. Hey Yogi, Ooh, and we'll talk about him a little bit more with the point guard option, but. There's a lot of confusion going on with the, the Mavericks' backcourt. Darren Williams with the toe injury, he's going to be out. He's missing his fourth straight game. It it feels like he's going to be close to returning, but at this point, I don't I don't even know.
1: It also feels like he's missed like the last six seasons completely. I, I mean, he's always hurt.
2: Yeah, and I was actually talking with DJ Trainer um, when we were kind of putting together the podcast, and he's obviously much more of a, a savvy NBA veteran mind than I am, um, and I like to pick his brain a lot of that stuff. We were kind of bouncing around where Daring Williams could go if he ever would be traded. And there actually are a few teams that would be interested in him. And I was, as as DJ was talking about more, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, he could go to the Cavs. He could go to the Hawks as a backup guy. And he could develop into one of those players that is a good rotation piece but just not a starter anymore.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that will suit him pretty Pretty much, you know, better than what he's doing. Especially
2: right now. with his injury history. I mean, you brought up that he feels like he's been injured the last six seasons. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, it really yeah, he is. Has. He has. He's <laughs> he's done well when he's been on the court, which I was kind of surprised with because you're just so used to putting him off because of the injury history. But he's he's played pretty well. So when he's able to play, that might not be a bad idea for some team to make a move for him.
1: Yeah, and if he's willing to, you know, happily be a, a backup in the backcourt, I do like the Cavs there.
2: Yeah, I thought that him. was a great great call by DJ Trainer. Yeah. That, was, yeah, that was a good mention. Moving over to the Memphis Grizzlies, Denver Nuggets matchup. Will Barton and Nicole Jokovic are going to be game time decisions with back and hip injuries, respectively. They are both held out of uh, yesterday's game, so I don't know if they end, if they end up game pl- playing time or not. Grizzlies are a pretty good matchup um, defensively, and obviously, I'm not really sure I'd be targeting either of them, even if they were available. But keep an eye on that as the as the. Lamps lineups get released early, uh, well, later in the evening. Um, Emmanuel Moutier, he's going to be a game-time decision as well. With a back injury, he's missed the last four games, so another one to keep an eye on as we're going through it. Uh, Milwaukee and the Jazz, we, we talked about this matchup before as we were just going through initially. Derek Favors with an undisclosed injury illness. We're not positive he will be missing his second straight game, so that's a little bit of good news for Jabari Parker if he plays a power forward spot, but I don't know if that really is going to move the needle enough for me to put Jabari in my lineup at all. That's that's at least my thought process. The Clippers sons, we have Chris Paul. We already know he's gonna be out in Dragon Bender. Game time decision with the ankle injury. Bulls and Thunder, Taj Gibson, and his Alex Breens. We've we've kinda of discussed a few of these guys, but no real notable injuries there, or at least ones that we we know are going to be affecting it. I mean, Gibson is going to play Wednesday with the ankle injury, but not really a huge target for me, especially against the Thunder. And finally, the Charlotte Hornets versus the Golden State Warriors. Cody Zeller, game-time decision. He's missed the last four games with the quad injury. Moving over to the Warriors side, Steph Curry. He was out the last game on Sunday with an illness. Well, that's that's going to be one to keep an eye on, I think. And then Zaza Pachulia with his shoulder, he will be out at least for the next week. That's going to make probably make Draymond Green, Draymond Green the center in a small ball lineup, and we're going to see a lot of moving pieces around, especially with that if Steph Curry does miss another game with the illness, and David West he's going to be a game time decision with his thumb. So. 12-game slate, a lot of different injuries to keep an eye on, but not too many breaking news ones. Covington's a big one for me. I think Zaza Pachulic being out is a big one. But who, who are uh, injuries and in at least games that you're
1: keeping an eye on, Ben? Yeah, I definitely think that the Knicks-Nets game has some pretty big fantasy implications. Um, you mentioned it. Derek Rose is you know, expected to sit out with his ankle injury, and poor Zingas, you know, was a late scratch from yesterday's game. Um, so there's absolutely a chance he's uh, you know, unable to give it a go in the second game of a back-to-back um there's two pretty huge names for you know one team's entry list so um that's kind of why i'm looking there first you know that like like we talked about that makes brandon jennings uh, yep. a pretty hot play again he's he's a well-known scorer and contributor you know when he gets the minutes um so he'll, yeah he'll be making his third straight start um he's gonna get mo- like another monster workload so i mean he's still at 5600 which is decent you know matchup against the nets right. um who give up the most fan points two point guards in the league so um, there's some major value to be had there
2: well, the Nets just are bad defensively, and they're normally somebody I like to target, especially when we're doing these and kind of looking at the defensive first positioning matchups, the Nets have just been a struggle. So Brandon Jennings almost feels like an automatic start at times, but again, I said 12-game slate. I would be really surprised if you find players that are going to be over 50% ownership rate, even even in tournaments or double-ups. Yeah. I think Jennings is going to give you a nice floor um, point-wise, but he also has the added expectance that you can... You can feel confident knowing that there is a higher ceiling than what he's going to be giving you normally especially yeah, because yeah. he's going to be starting in place of Derrick Rose and that's not good defensively. I like that quite a bit. Yeah. I think that's going to be a good good one to watch out. I'm curious about Porzingis though. Like I I would like to know a little more certainty because I think that could affect a lot of different lineups. If Porzingis is out, it, you know, where are we going to go from there? So, I have a, without foreshadowing too much, I have a bit of a a curveball throw in there from my lineup if Porzingis is out. So I'm going to definitely keep my eye on that close to that 7:30 kickoff time or tip off time. Uh, the, the big matchup that I'm watching for the Hornets, uh, golden state. Now, when I was putting this together, we did not yet know if Pachulia would be out, but that makes a huge difference now that we know he's going to be out. And for the next week, um, I think that Draymond Green slides down to the center spot, meaning that we're going to have a little more rebounding opportunities and he kind of has to play more. So I've always been hesitant to pay it for him at his price. I mean, we're looking at, I think 7,300 at the time. So um, if we're, we're thinking that he's going to have that, I'm expecting to get 35 to 40 Fanduel points and that's going to come a lot from the rebounding. He's not a huge scorer, but he brought, provides that rebounding aspect and, at the center spot i'm looking for it and then uh if curry misses time sean livingston at 4600 might not be the worst idea in the world if you're trying to go cheaper at point guard he didn't do really well when curry was out so that's something to keep in mind but uh i would feel comfortable playing livingston especially if you're just trying to get a cheap star scrub kind of lineup going
1: yeah i I, i'll go back to Draymond. I, i absolutely absolutely love that play i'll go into it a little bit more later um but yeah, him and JaVale McGee actually might even see some at a time, you know. They'll start chucking lobs to him. Um, so yeah. I, I. Well, my thought was,
2: what if Iguodala ends up playing a little bit more because of the patchouli injury? They like to start Marvin Williams at power forward, yeah. so you can have Iguodala cover that. You can have Iguodala even cover Kemba Walker if you really wanted to try and win this game. Um, and I know Kerr's been kind of resistant to to playing Iguodala in the starting lineup. Right. So I don't know if he, he does that, but I feel confident enough that he might be one of those guys to to watch out for even before these injuries he was getting around 20 to 24 Fanduel points per game and he's at 4400 for his price
1: so yeah and he's a versatile guy that can play a bunch of different positions so yeah, yeah that, that's definitely an option where he's he's one of those guys that benefits the most
2: again if you're trying to do the stars and scrubs I think Iguodala might be one of those that you can you can reliably depend on to get you about that 25 Fanduel points just because I'm expecting him to see a little bit more playing time with pachulia out yeah now, we don't know for certain because the Warriors are so good that they kind of have that ability to be able to flex whatever lineup and just try and tinker right with they could probably
1: things. throw Kevin Durant at center and still be fine yeah <laughs> well I think they would, that would be just a crazy lineup that'd be a crazy fun lineup
2: but yeah, yeah. They, they absolutely could and they might that's I mean maybe not Durant at center but what I'm saying is they, they can afford to experiment yeah and figure out and tinker with their lineups and maybe Iguodala doesn't find minutes but if we were to look at this just saying numbers wise and what Iguodala has been doing before and what the Hornets like to do I feel good that at forty four hundred he's one of those guys who can slide in if you're doing the stars and scrubs. Going over to just the next question that I had and and I put this in all caps and a whole bunch of exclamation points because this is massive. Twelve game slate. Twelve. Not 12. eight, not four, not six. <laughs> We've been doing this is this is big boy stuff, Ben. Twelve game slate. I had a heck of a time trying to put together my lineup, just based off of everything else. Like I was like, "Oh, this match looks nice. Oh, wait, this one does too. Oh man, there's five different guys that are around five thousand. Right, like. so many, how, so many how, options. How are you trying to construct your lineup? Normally, there you you start somewhere and you build from there. I had a hard time just starting from a
1: certain spot. Yeah, normally with such a large slate of games, I'm I'm grabbing a couple of the highest salaried guys, you know, because there's usually so many injuries and value plays elsewhere to make up for some of those top contracts. I'm still planning on using a group of guys from the upper tier, but I've found a lot of value in the 9,000s this time around um, that I do absolutely love. So I'm fading the top six guys, which I don't do, including, you know... Your boy, (laughs) your boy, Russell Westbrook. Right, but then I'm grabbing three of the next four salaries below them. Um, You know, Giannis, the Greek freak, was the the first guy I saw um, that I decided to kind of build my lineup around. Um, Yeah, I loved his price for being one of the elite players in the league. You know, part of that lower price is likely due to his matchup with the Jazz, um, who are always, you know, extremely tough defensively. So I I do get that. But um, still, this is the first time since December 16th that he's uh, been less than ten thousand dollars. That's crazy. So December I'm all over. 16. Yeah, I'm all over this guy. He's he's still going to run the show. Still going to rack up stats. So I, I don't see a huge drop off. Um, you know, despite going up against the Jazz, which which is why I really you know looked at him as my foundation piece.
2: I tend to agree with you, and when I saw the ninety nine hundred, that jumped out to me as well. I, I I watch a lot of Bucks games. I know what the Greek Freak can do, um, and I know that he's he's the foundation of their offense. So I get that. At the same time, I really like to adhere to that defense versus positioning tool that's on RotoWire. Great kind tool, of, yeah. I, that's kind of how I build a lot of my lineup. And I'm looking at the, the Jazz have allowed thirty one Fanduel points to two shooting guards this season. That's good for second lowest in the last five games. They've allowed twenty six point nine. That's good for third lowest. they've played against some better tier shooting guards in the past and done pretty well. So I've always been a little concerned and I feel that Greek Freak's going to probably get his rebounds, probably get his assists, but the points might not be there. But at 9,900, that might not be something that even concerns you.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit of a price break. So I'm comfortable with it. I do see the concern. I I definitely do. Um, You know, giving up only two 30 plus point um, shooting guards in the season is unreal like right. that's crazy um but yeah he's ninety nine hundred. i think that's cheap enough where i'm i'm still i still love the play
2: I, and i think you're kind of right where you're fading the top six and you're trying to pay up somewhere why not go for a guy that's a little bit lower in price than normal and, yeah. and he'll bounce back up higher when he has a better matchup that's that's not a bad way to approach it answering my own question i i just uh i normally like to look at a lineup seeing okay where are the injuries first and then build out from there but I didn't feel that was the greatest way to do it either. I mean, I guess I would have probably put Norman Powell in there first looking at the injuries and now kind of seeing with Dario Saric and Robert Covington, I'd kind of put them in if I was to redo my process with this, but normally I look at injuries, okay, where I can find the cheap guys. If that doesn't work, I know I look at the higher price guys and say, "Okay, I like this matchup. I need him in my lineup." I couldn't do that either. So
1: so I I really was talk, like stuck. I had my Hands tied behind my back, it felt like. Yeah, I, we, we talked about it a little bit before. Like there's no huge surprises injury wise. So it's almost like right. Fandle's already um, you know, price enforced. Right. With they really like in inflated there, yeah. the prices of the guys that, you know, have done well in the place of all these other yeah. um, so, injuries. So I kind of was stuck and I eventually
2: just went to, okay, let's look at the defense versus positioning tool, then let's compare it with some of the cheaper priced options. And what it really ended up being was that I got all mid-tier guys and a few people I paid up for, but it was mostly mid-tier people. So I feel like today's scheme strategy for me is I put together a lineup that has a very, very high ceiling. I'm sorry, has a really high floor, but does not have a high ceiling. Yeah, yeah. A really high floor where I I know I'm going to be getting X amount of points from this spot and this spot, and I'm expecting them not to really exceed that too much more. But if they do, they'll have the potential because they're going against a better defensive matchup the most times.
1: Yeah. Which is never a bad line uh, strategy. If you're going for double ups, especially. Yeah.
2: This is, this is definitely catering to the double, double up lineup. Um, I think if I would have done more of a tournament lineup, I'm looking at the Norman Powells, I'm looking at the Dario Sark's, I'm looking at more of a cheaper center option than going higher priced elsewhere. Maybe at shooting guard with Giannis, maybe at small forward, um, and I, I did pay up a little bit more for small forward as was. But there's there's a lot of different places that you could go with the 12 game slate, and it really is tough to pick out a certain strategy you want to use. Yeah, um, I to kind of stay on those same lines. I like to start a point guard when I'm putting together my lineup because there are a lot of really great point guard options like Russell Westbrook there are a lot of even higher priced but not the higher priced options um I think Isaiah Thomas would normally qualify for that but he's kind of kind of growing into that role um and then there are more mid-tier cheaper guys so I'm going to give you 3 names with the mid-tier guys and I want you to tell me who you would start uh in your lineup if you were if you were having to put one of these three guys in there okay, okay. All right so we're looking at Austin Rivers, fifty eight hundred. He's going against the Suns. We're looking at T.J. McConnell at fifty nine hundred, going against the Mavs. Or your boy, but not really your boy, Yogi <laughs> Ferrell at forty nine hundred, going to the 76ers. So you have to put
1: one of those three guys in there. Who do you start with? I do desperately want to jump on the the Yogi Ferrell. I knew bandwagon. he was your boy. Yeah, I, I knew he was. He's a Big Ten. He's a Big Ten guy. I gotta gotta represent for um, our our Big Ten conference. Um, but yeah, the Mavericks are still without Darren Williams, J.J. Berea, which is awesome. You know, you love right. that. Um, I just have a bad feeling he's going to take a step back. And it's actually just it's just his second game of the season. You know, I get that he went off for 35 FanDuel points Monday. Um, but I like I said, this is a guy who doesn't have a ton of experience. And I, I, I do fully expect a significant drop-off despite, you know, likely getting a pretty big workload.
2: Right. And at, at 4,900, you're expecting him to get about 20 to 20 Fanduel points for it to be very good value just yeah. to, to kind of get onto that list with the RotoWire optimizer. And even then, I, I think five times the value is, is probably not as much as you'd be ex- expecting. You don't want a little bit more than that. So
1: yeah, if he was hovering a little lower in that 4,000 range, yeah. maybe I'd feel a little bit more comfortable using him, but I'm still, yeah, I just, I still worry about him. And that's kind of why I'm, you know, leaning towards Austin rivers here. Um, the suns are always a great matchup to target, um rivers has uh, nearly averaged 40 minutes over the last three games so that's a ton of minutes and you know a big opportunity um to rack up some statistics
2: i know this is one of your favorite statistics uh to look at but you know it's going to be a high scoring game i'm not even yeah. positive what the under under the over underscore was right now but you know the suns and clippers are going to be putting together a lot of points they're running up and down the court rivers has looked really great you were saying the forty minutes he's getting—that's that's, that's fine—but I'm saying he's been scoring a bunch, he's been assisting enough times. Like, it's one of those things where it almost feels you know what you're getting from Rivers, you yeah. know what you're getting from TJ McConnell, you might not know what you are getting from Yogi Bear, Yogi Ferrell. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess I asked this question because I didn't know the answer. Like I thought it was all really, really close with those three at forty nine hundred. Yogi's about a thousand less than uh, both McConnell and Rivers, but at the same time. If Farrell was about nine hundred less than that, I'd feel a lot more confident. Yeah, they yeah. they skyrocketed his price up after that one game. Like he was at thirty five hundred, the cheapest it could be. Then he got ten times the value, and Fanduel was like, "All right, here we go." Let's yeah, and even Fanduel's usually like,
1: hand. I feel like FanDuel's is usually pretty slow at moving it. Yes, but this was yeah, it was surprisingly quick. I would almost deem this an overreaction. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I completely agree, and especially I, for a guy that's played one game this season.
2: I think it, it is the one of the most. Boom or bust plays that we have discussed so far while doing this podcast. Just yeah. looking at that, I was like, wow, I couldn't imagine how high. And I, again, I was talking to DJ a Trainer before this, and we were saying, well, you know, if he's around that 4,000 price, you got to give him your lineup. So I almost instinctively put him in there, double checked, and I kind of did a, a take I'm like, oh my God, 4,900. Yeah, that's, that's a bigger deal. But the 76ers aren't that good at point guard. Like, True. They aren't good at stopping the point guard spot very much, at least fan duel wise. So he's i i'm okay if you wanted to use him but i agree with you i yeah, still gotta temper your
1: expect your expectations here a little bit in my opinion
2: so then that works it down to mcconnell or rivers and you make a good point with rivers getting a whole bunch of minutes but I, i'm kind of looking more at the mcconnell range i think you know the the Mavs really haven't been that good defensively either and i feel pretty good saying mcconnell is going to get around 25 to 30 points and if you push it back like looking over the course of january he's scored over 25 Fanduel points in 8 of the last 14 games. So, that's pretty consistent. He's he scored the 25 in the last 5 of the 7 games.
1: Yeah, he's been insane with his like his assist numbers too. Double yeah. digit assists in 5 of the last 6, which is awesome. Um, I think a lot of his value depends on whether he scores a lot or not. That's where his upside, uh, you know, sits. Right. But yeah, his floor for assists has been unreal. Lately. But if
2: he's getting double
1: digit assists,
2: now you're you're at you're saying that his floor is around twenty Fanduel points, right? That's without even factoring what he's scoring against the points. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think Yogi Ferrell is necessarily a stud defender. I don't think the Mavs are stud defenders either. So, at the, I think you're setting the floor at twenty, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, he can definitely do it. <laughs> yeah, and at fifty eight hundred, you probably want him to get closer to thirty to thirty five. Exactly, and that's where you're saying, okay, can he get ten points?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. I just—he's just not that like—he's not a you know as consistent offensively as a guy like Rivers. Um, and, and that's true,
2: right? And, and Rivers is actually—I I would say—above consistent. I think he is—is is one of the better scoring point guard options when he is able to get a full full forty minutes or so. Yeah. So, I I bet you it ends up being close. I bet you all three of them end up being close, but the one that you pick right. Or whoever does the best is probably going to be the one that swings a lot of contests. That's how I think of it, at least. That one of those guys is going to go off. I just don't know who. That's that's my biggest concern. Yeah. All right. Got through that point card. Conundrum, at least for the most part. I've gave my my two cents on it. Let's go ahead and go over the RotoWire Optimizer lineup for Wednesday's slate. We're looking at kind of a few familiar names that we've discussed in the past, and then a, a couple of different names that are being taken advantage of based off of injuries and, and matchup stuff. So at point guard, we have Russell Westbrook, your boy, Russell Westbrook, going against the Bulls, 2600 at in price. Brandon Jennings going against the Nets is at 5,600, so kind of, uh, I would almost say, a chalk play at the, at the point guard spot for the optimizer. Moving over to shooting guard, we have Tony Allen going against the Nuggets. Nuggets not very good defensively against shooting guards, so 4,500. Interesting price tag, and I know he's one of the veterans that you kind of have your eye on most nights. So uh, going over Norman Powell, 4,200 going against the Celtics. That seems like an obvious play to me if you're doing the star scrubs kind of approach. Small forward, Carmelo Anthony going against the Nets, eighty five hundred. Anthony has done very well in wake of all this trade talk that we've been hearing, and and kudos to him. I, I kind of hope he shoves it to the the Phil, Phil's brass. I was going to say, but the Knicks brass. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I want him to keep doing well. Small forward, Aaron Gordon is going to be your second power. I'm sorry, second small forward in the optimizer lineup. 5,000 is his price. He's going against the Pacers. Power forward now sees Draymond Green at seventy three hundred and Domo Sabonis going against the Bulls at thirty five hundred, and then rounding up the lineup at center, Andre Drummond eighty seven hundred going against the Pelicans. I think he has back to back twenty rebound games, which is good to see because he's been kind of almost dipping down to the eight thousand high seventy nine kind of area. Yeah. So these he, two two straight really good rebounding games has kind of bumped his performance back up. has bumped his price back up. What do you thought or what are your thinking on the optimizer lineup?
1: I I don't mind it Um, Although there's still A few spots Where I think There's probably Some better options Elsewhere You know Aaron Gordon Is one of those guys Uh, I'm not always A huge fan of him You know Kent Bazemore Is actually The same exact price Um, And I feel like He's got more upside Of the two So I'd personally Prefer to flip him In there Instead of You know Aaron Gordon um, otherwise, I do love like the middle tierish guys, middle low tier. You know, Draymond Green, I think, is one of the best plays in the of the day. Um, but I'll go into that a little more when we, you know, reveal our starting lineups here. Right. Um, you know, both Brandon Jennings and Norman Powell, I think, provide some extremely good values for, for where they're at. And you know, my you know love obsession for Russell Westbrook. So <laughs> I'm not going to dog the optimizing too much over that. I'm. I'm a little torn on it. So I think Norman Powell is going to be great um, with DeRozan out.
2: He's been, he's been really well uh, when DeRozan hasn't played. And I feel like the, sho- the shooting guard position as a whole has been kind of a crapshoot. There's not a lot of depth, especially when James Harden is not playing. So unless you're playing Greek Freak, who I'm a little hesitant with that Jazz matchup, yeah, I yeah. think Powell is great value at a spot that you would have a tough time filling anyway. Um, the optimizer seems to have like an internal love for Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just not I'm not there. I haven't really seen it. I mean, he's he's quietly consistent, but not explosively consistent yeah I've, u- I've
1: used them a decent amount of times in yeah in in fanduel and super inconsistent but i mean there are those you know those few times where he does blow up out of nowhere so i mean i get the upside there well the pacers but, are
2: pretty good defensively against small forts too so it's not like you're getting you're getting an advantage on the defense yeah you talked about Kemp basemore we had discussed him in a podcast uh before and he was around the four thousand price range and i said he was going to shoot up this is one of the lower parts and I would, I agree with you. I'd much rather have Bays more than Gordon at yeah, this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I really feel like the optimizer uh, could have done better here. I think w- when you're putting two thousand more dollars into Russell Westbrook, you kind of have to pick and choose some spots. And I like some of the the lower price guys that they're suggesting, but then. Other ones, it's okay. I I think it's another, again, it's always a really good base to start out with when putting together lineups. Yeah, yeah. These players I like. uh, These players not so much. And you tinker around with it that way. Right. Very
1: mathematical base. There's always that, you know, you want that, you know, human element in there where you're, you know, putting your own. Spin on it so locking in players, excluding those that you know aren't that great, and that's that's always a nice feature to have there.
2: And you're talking about the human lineup, uh, well, let's go ahead and just give ours right now. Okay. I think we've done this in the past, let's go ahead and start with the point guard spot, and we'll kind of work down position wise from there going back and forth. So, who do you have a point guard for your lineup? All
1: right, so, this is one of my other guys I'm really paying up for. Um, Eric Bledsoe is my first point guard, you know, just like I talked about Giannis earlier, he's sitting in the you know the 9,000, still a little cheaper than the last few games though. Um, at 9,400 going against the Clippers defense that on the season is one of the best teams to defend point guards but that's definitely misleading now that Paul's out if you mm-hmm. actually look at um, you know the last five games which is another thing you can do in the that defense versus you know position feature on, on Rotoir, um the Clippers are right in the middle of the pack so it's not as daunting of a matchup as it really seems um, you know Bledsoe is also coming off a pretty poor showing against Memphis so I, I fully expect a bounce back showing from him you rarely rarely see Um, superstars go back-to-back games with you know a significant drop in numbers and for what it's worth Bledsoe's averaging 44.2 Fandle points over the last 20 days so he's a guy that can put up some numbers and I still think that's fairly decent for you know his value at 9400 despite being you know the top like eight or ten you know players available
2: yeah I I, and we we discussed Brandon Jennings already we know that that's a good value for both of us I agree with that I think of the higher-priced guys at point guard, I probably wouldn't be going in the Bledsoe direction, but you make a good point with Chris Paul being out that that really opens the door for more offense scoring on that end. Uh, the Clippers have been, just looking at their stats, on the defensive positioning optimizer part, uh, they've been one of the better teams at stopping assists coming from there, but Bledsoe isn't necessarily getting a whole bunch of assists all the time. W- what you're asking from is points. Yeah, yep. And Austin Rivers isn't fantastic defensively. So I think it's pretty reasonable to expect Bledsoe to be hitting a, a decent enough point threshold.
1: Yeah, I expect him to hit at least 40 on any given night. So, um, 40 FanDuel points or 40 total 40 points? 40 FanDuel
2: points. Sorry. I was like, wow. Yeah. No. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that's, that's a, a pretty big thing to be expecting every yep. night.
1: Like maybe once a week you could probably should have clarified there. Okay,
2: that's fine. We, that's why we go over this now. <laughs> exactly. We're all good. Um, my point guards, obviously Brandon Jennings, we both like him in our lineup. I'm going a little bit lower uh, for point guard option with Mike Conley at 7,900. I didn't want to mess around with the McConnell uh, question that I had posed before, but I think Mike Conley is going to be a pretty good option against the Nuggets. Nuggets allow the second most FanDuel points to the point guard spot. Um, they've allowed the most in the last five games with 57.1. It's not even really close. Uh, and Conley's coming off an absolutely beyond... A studly performance uh in his last game, so to me this is this is not the most automatic start. I'd actually feel more comfortable with whatever you suggest is the most automatic start of the night, which I think you're leaning towards Draymond Green, but yeah, yeah, uh Mike Conley is pretty darn close in my mind. I think he is the heart and soul of that Grizzlies team, and he's going to be the one keeping them in within every game, and I, I think he's just going to be one that you you can rely on confidently, especially when he's under eight thousand.
1: Yeah. I- when you come off sixty Fanduel points, like you, you're gonna have some, you're gonna have some confidence. And yeah. even before that, even, 35, mean, thirty five, thirty three, um, he's going yeah, I think he's gonna pr- try and take on a pretty big load offensively. As soon as you're, once you're hot, you're hot. Like you're gonna, you're gonna keep shooting until you're not. So, and I've never really subscribed to that theory, but I, I do in this case because <laughs> Conley is
2: not one of the hot and cold players because he's normally pretty lukewarm for. The, but when he gets hot he will continue that stretch for two, three, four games. And then that's when you look at the end of the year, well, wow, Conley averaged 28 points per game. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I'm making up the number, but it's because of those really hot stretches where he plays. And I think, I think, and I'm hoping that this is one of those ones
1: where it's just starting that process. Yeah, and when you're in the middle tier too, you know, the 7,000s is great for that type of player.
2: Right, and like I said earlier, I'm constructing my lineup shooting for the highest floor, but Conley provides me a pretty good ceiling that I can say, okay, yeah, I can easily foresee him getting the x amount of points more
1: yeah yeah give me your shooting guard options for your lineup for tonight's slate so yeah we already mentioned it um Giannis is one of my guys there you know um less than 10,000 for the first time in a month and a half so you know despite the tough matchup I'm, I'm still comfortable um and otherwise again we did talk about this guy as well Norman Powell um no Damar DeRozan still going to be in that starting lineup and see a ton of minutes you know his salary hasn't bumped up too much so he's still at 4,200 expect him to be highly owned um but like we said 12 games so it shouldn't be you know absurd you yeah. know, ownership rates no
2: i i don't think powell
1: will hit that mark either he's a great option and i
2: think other people will definitely catch on with that too but at the same time when you're performing so well he might be one of those guys that you have to play
1: yeah and i, I it's also worth it to note that he did receive 40 minutes last night in which isn't exactly what you're looking for when you're going into a back-to-back set um but I still, yeah, there's there's enough up upside there for me to you know feel comfortable.
2: I went the other way, and I think if I was to reconstruct my lineup, I would probably put Powell in there instead. So take take that what you want, but I'm going with Clay Thompson at shooting guard going against the Hornets, sixty three hundred, and then Courtney Courtney Lee at forty eight hundred going against the Nets nets this is this is pretty par for the course for me not very good defensively lee's actually scored plus 30 Fanduel points in three of the last four games so he had one stinker the night before but other than that he's been really really good um i think that coincides with derrick rose out there has to be some more shots elsewhere if porzingis does miss time somebody's gonna be scoring somebody's gonna be taking shots so i think lee takes on a little bit more of that burden alongside Melo. um We know that Joakim Noah can't do anything offensively other than rebounds, so there's got to be someone that takes the shots. And I I think that Lee kind of fits that mold. He'll be playing plenty because he's a good defensive weapon, Um, so I feel confident at 4,800. I think I probably would move to Powell if I was in a different lineup setting, but for 4,800, that's pretty good. And Clay Thompson, Hornets not very good defensively either against shooting guards. If Steph Curry misses time, Oh, I think that you have to find somebody else, take that outside shooting range. And Clay Thompson's one of the best in the league, in the world, in history, in my mind. So I feel confident using him at 6,300.
1: Yeah. Thompson's always, always a guy where he can just ex- explode on any given night. And especially, you know, he had 37 points in one quarter, like yeah. set, a, set a record. <laughs> That's, that's nuts again Um,
2: high floor i see yeah that's what we're shooting for and
1: also with courtney lee like i'm I'm looking at his game log here and this guy's a shooting guard but he's pulling like the last 10 games his rebounding numbers have been absurd like five rebounds last game nine three six four like he's getting rebounds yeah um you know despite being in the backcourt so that's 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 huge to have for any guy especially priced
2: at 4800 yeah he's risen pretty high like he was sitting around the 3700 even well, thirty-seven was his lowest, but that was even two weeks ago. Last week, so he's risen a little bit more. Um, I, I think he probably could rise a little bit more if he continues this kind of streak. But yeah, and if
1: Rose continues to you know so do out. whatever Rose does. Yeah, yeah whatever <laughs> the heck he's doing. So
2: I, I think that. You might be catching him closer to the highest value of the season, but that's not to say that's a bad thing in this situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and give me your sh- uh, your small forwards, because we already went over the shooting guards. Yeah, I'm going Paul George is my first one. He's my third highest salary behind Giannis and Bledsoe. Um, absolutely love the matchup against the Magic. We're in the top five of teams, you know, let up the highest amount of Fanduel points um, to small forwards. Um, also posted 31 points or more in four straight games, shooting lights out at 50% from the field and just under 40% from three during that, you know, Four, four or five game stretch. Um, so this guy's hot, juicy matchup. Another guy I'm fully confident in performing.
2: I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, he's in my lineup as well. I, you talked about how the Magic were bad defensively at small forward. I, I don't think there really needs to be more that said. Paul George is one of the best players in the league when he is on his prime. And I think right now he is he's doing exactly that. So to me, he's definitely one of those small forward options to put in. I have Kevin Durant as my other one at 10,700. He's my by far high priced guy. Yeah, yeah. Um and he feels like he's consistently one of the best high priced guys available. So I when I'm stuck, when I'm having a hard time figuring out where I want to go with my lineup, Kevin Durant's the first guy I put in.
1: So Yeah, and that's never that's a that's a fail-safe strategy. Exactly, right? Like that's <laughs> you can't really go wrong
2: with right. Kevin Durant in there. Um, if Steph Curry is out, and I don't know if he will be or not. So we're kind of putting a lot of ifs to this. But if he's out, you know he's taking on more of a scoring load. Yeah. And we had talked about doing different configurations at the lineup. Again, I don't think he's going to be a center, but maybe he ends up being a, a, a big power forward in a small lineup and getting more rebounds. I'm not sure, but I feel pretty safe using him most nights, and especially against the Hornets. I feel good about that one. Absolutely, yeah. I want to hear why you think Draymond Green is the best play. So we'll kind of skip over your other small forward option. Jeff Green at 3800 is who you're looking at. But at power forward, I know you're talking about Draymond Green as the guy to own tonight. So break it down for me. Why are you looking at Green as one of the best
1: options? Yeah, I absolutely love the play. You know, his salary is only 7300 um, way down from the 8200 he peaked at earlier in January. Um, but yeah, we talked about Steph Curry fresh off an illness. Zaza Pachuli is out. You know, he's going to take on probably a bunch of center minutes, Um he's one of the best multi-category producers in the league like he does a little bit of everything points rebounds assists steals blocks like he he can do it all you know um rotowire is projecting at like 40 Fanduel points um which sounds somewhat accurate but i still think like he there's so much potential for him to outpace that um so yeah i think he's just the play of the night like there's there's minutes available no patchouli Um i think he's going to Easily double-digit rebounds for me, um, and especially if Curry's not there, he could take on a larger scoring role as well.
2: I think somebody's got to grab the rebounds with patchouli out, and Green's that go-to guy. So while I, I don't feel confident enough saying that this is the best start of the night or the one that you need to have in your lineup, at 7,300 and what he provides intangible-wise defensively and a little bit offensively they can do – it's no brainer to me. I think yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely the place to go. And I don't normally like to spend up at power forward, especially with a few other guys higher up on the slate. I think Green is definitely the way to go. It's almost like when there are really high priced options at point guard, and you go a little bit lower. That's the same type of feeling that I have with Green, where he's going to give you a nice floor, a nice consistency, and he should and probably will go higher than what we are expecting from him.
1: Yeah, I could see like a a Goran Dragic you know comparison if you're looking at point yeah, guards. That's yeah, that's probably a pretty good way. Of yeah, it, yeah. So who's your other power forward option besides Green? I'm also going Terrence Jones. Um, Dante Cunningham is dealing with a wrist injury, questionable still. Um, But if he ends up sitting out, Jones will probably jump into the starting lineup. Um, Even if Honestly, even if Cunningham plays, he's fresh off an injury. I fully expect Jones to see even the bulk of the minutes, probably. Um, Cunningham was pulled from yesterday's game. Uh, Jones responded with a 30-fando point outing, and I still think there's decent value in the mid-5,000s. And, I mean, we can't forget, he went off for... 36 points, 11 rebounds earlier, um, earlier this month against the Cavs with 36 minutes. So if if the guy gets a bump in playing time, uh, he produces. I agree with you.
2: Uh, the the optimizer had brought up my power forward. I'm not sure if I really want to use this. Uh in my official lineup, for at least right now, I'm looking at Sabonis at 3500 We know that Cantor's out. We know Adams has played well, but actually with Cantor out, Sabonis is seeing a little bit more minutes and a little more rebound opportunities. He's getting closer to that 20 to 25 Fanduel point night, and that's all I need at the 3500 price. So it's pretty, pretty easy matchup looking at the optimizer and kind of saying, yeah, okay, I can see where that goes. And He was one of those people that you slot in and kind of move around from there. So.
1: Yeah, at a minimum contract, you the guy, that, a guy that's posted a double-double in the game before yeah. – why not? Can't like, go wrong. That's, with yeah, that's a high risk, high reward.
2: Rounding out our centers, I know you're looking at Robin Lopez as your guy to go to at 4700. Are you concerned that you know he's
1: a little bit inconsistent? I keep saying that I absolutely love my lineup, and this is actually the spot where I think it's one of my my, my more risky picks that I take. Um, like you said, really tough matchup against Stephen Adams of the thumb, Thunder. Um, blew up for 42 points against the Sixers, who are without Embiid, but. I'm kinda of actually just hoping that confidence rolls over here. Um like it's it's such a tough matchup. Um but I was trying to pay down at center. Um, anything lower than Lopez, I it was trash. Well I'll give you lower than Lopez. And this is based
2: <laughs> off of if Chris Taps Porzingis does not play. Right. And oh, I yeah. have I have heard this from our resident Knicks fan Max. Uh we had talked about him last podcast, and he is head over here heels for Guillermo Hernan Gomez. Like irrational fan confidence talk about <laughs> Hernan gomez to the point where it's just like all right enough you're droning on about him right but gomez did really well in the one game that porzingis did not play at 4300 if porzingis is out again this becomes your automatic start in my mind this yeah, becomes I definitely that guy that. that you have to put in your lineup and if porzingis is out i do think that gomez Hernan gomez ends up getting uh around that 45 to 40 percent ownage rate even with the 12 game slate yeah i yeah. think this becomes one of those automatic starts he is good and i think you can almost book it down for about 30 Fanduel points if he's getting starter minutes and well or do you be getting starter minutes if porzingis is out so
1: yeah no definitely a huge play that you're gonna you're gonna want to look into if if porzingis can't but again you know, get keep, over the illness keep
2: tracking road keep tracking your sources where the information comes out if porzingis is playing that again he missed an illness for the last game late scratch um we're gonna kind of keep track of it uh wednesday and back-to-back game i think there's a good chance to see porzingis out so to me hernan gomez automatic start at center that rounds out our lineup and that kind of rounds out our conversation for today. Again, Wednesday NBA DFS podcast. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and Ben. Where can the people follow you at? Get me a Ben Man doing work. Still the best Twitter <laughs> handle at RotoWire. All right. That does it for us. We'll get back to you again next Monday. Thanks.
0: They are going to kill the love of my life Casey? if I don't go back to what I was doing this Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless.